Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. Well, we have a special treat for you tonight. And uh, I'm super excited. She's nervous. I texted her about a month ago and said, Jen, you're preaching in November before Thanksgiving. She's like, ha, ha, ha. No, I said, Jen, you're preaching. And, uh, man, I'm just thankful what has happened this year in our leaders and in our family and uh, watching our different leaders come alive and teach different classes from finances to health and well-being and hearing their wisdom and their knowledge has been absolutely incredible. And so I just, one of the things that I always want to do in this house that I didn't do in the beginning days is everybody has a different opinion. And it's okay. Everybody has a different view of things. Now there are some things in the Bible that you can't, you can't make up and twist scripture. But we all have to realize that even from a mother and a father's standpoint, they have different views. They have different ways. They can reach different people. And uh, I was actually talking with Jim Boardwine yesterday, and he has never seen the movie The Shack. And uh, I always love my conversations with Jim. Mr. Boardwine is an absolutely amazing teacher in our school district and does amazing things for the next generation. And we would probably say we don't see eye to eye on some things, but we respect each other. And one of the things that I begin to talk to him about is the movie The Shack. And inside of the movie The Shack, when God presents himself to the individual who's struggling, God doesn't present himself as a masculine father. He actually presented himself as a mother. And that messed with a lot of religious people. But we forget the scripture says that Abba Father, the, we say father, but the scripture says clearly he's not male or female. He is God. And God will speak to you however, whenever he wants. You know, it's funny. Some people say God can't speak through a woman, but yet he spoke through a donkey in the Bible. I would much rather have a conversation with a beautiful woman, the heart of a woman, a mother, a daughter. But if God has to speak to me, watch. If God has to speak to me through whatever it takes to get my attention, I want that. And I never want this house to ever be personality driven. Because my personality isn't for everybody. Even though I'm thankful for God gifting me and using me the way he has for 20 years. I'm realizing as I get older and the hair turns gray and the beard turns gray. I'm realizing that there's a piece of Jesus inside of everyone. And that piece of Jesus, when you get saved and you encounter the love of God... God knows you're going to share that with someone else. You're going to make an impact on others' lives. And we have incredible leaders here that are very smart. And Jen is one of the most brilliant people I know. She's also one of the kindest. Forgiving, loving. She's an awesome mother. An awesome wife. You're a great example to this house. So we need your voice. You also have an incredible sense of humor. So she's getting weepy as I'm loving on her. And that's Jen. But this is also Jen. 
now coming to preach, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, preaching the word of God today is Jen, the prophetess, elder, pastor, teacher, woman of God, Jen Thompson. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. No. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. BB told me I was going to get up here and rap, and I was like, I would feel way more comfortable. Oh, you got, did you guys want to just stand? You can come stand with me. <laughs> oh, okay, so it was actually um, October 2nd at 1213 that Papa Jimmy texted me. He's like, look, I'm doing the schedule, and you're preaching on November 18th. And I just sent back that emoji like, <laughs> like that. And he's like, no, for real. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. So um, immediately I thought of praying that he would change his mind. <laughs> That is very true, actually. As Mike, I'm like, you think he's going to change his mind? Like, he's going to get, I'm like, Lord, give Papa Jimmy a word so strong after the Mathises are here. You're, I know. And then you spoke the next, that Sunday morning. I was like, dang it, save it, Papa Jimmy. <laughs> oh, so really, okay. But I do have three pages of notes, but for real, it's because I wrote down everything because I get up here and then I forget everything that I want to say. So, um. But really, I immediately thought of promises. I know we haven't heard much about that recently. Um, but seriously, it was October 2nd, so it was before, like, Buggy and T-Bone and um, Robin Beach. And so many people came in and talked about promises. And I'm like, Lord, you were talking to me about promises. And now everybody's talking about promises. i got to find something else. And I really felt like he was saying, we have such significant promises in this house, that it is important to keep talking about it and keep it at the forefront of our minds. And when I say promises, I know some people are like, well, I don't really have a promise from God. Like, do I really have a promise? Um, but if you have a, a dream that God's given you, a word that he's placed in your heart, even something that you're just believing God for in your life, that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, too anything that we haven't seen the full manifestation of yet. Um, and Papa Jimmy, you had mentioned the, the board that we wrote the prayers on in the gym. And Jason Flynn, how your name was up there. And I've been thinking lately, my dad's name was one of the first ones I had put up there. And right after we wrote his name, I remember, I don't even remember the exact conversation, but he called me and he's like, I'm turning my life around. I'm turning my life around. And then I remember I put, a picture of my stepsister up there. She was addicted to heroin. Right after that, clean. Still to this day, she's clean. Raising an amazing little boy. She's a great mom. So those promises, even then, are still coming to pass today. So if you wrote something on that wall, if you're still believing for something, it's still coming, you guys. Oh, so I'm here tonight. Hold on. I got my essentials over here. I got to win my I got my chapstick. I got my hauls. My propel and my tissue. <laughs> oh, so, I want to remind you to not give up hope. Because I know what it's like to wait a really, really long time for your promise. I know what it's like to almost give up, to see people around you's promises, and then to wonder, like, was this even a real promise? Is this really going to come to pass for me to continuously 
say you believe, but in your heart you're really doubting. Like, is this really ever going to happen? I wasn't, I wasn't really going to talk much about Sam because most of us know that story, but we do have some visitors tonight, and it's good to see your lovely faces. <laughs> um, so Mike and I got married in 2009, and we thought that we would have kids pretty much right away because we were getting older. I was 29. And he was a couple years. What? How much older? Two years? I don't know. So we're like, we better get on and we're going to have kids right away. And it just, we just never got pregnant. It never happened. So for 10 years, we believed in our hearts. Like we knew that we were meant to be parents. My whole life, I wanted to be a mom. Like Papa Jimmy, thank you for saying that earlier. But even in um, like pre-K, I remember looking back. Because of course my mom saved everything. And recently she made me go through all the paperwork from like, everything I drew from like pre-k and there were the papers were like Jen's a little mother hen she's taking care of all the little kids even in pre-k my mom had a in-home daycare until I was about seven and I just remember taking care of all those little babies taking so I've always it's always been in my heart to be a mom like I mother everybody you say I'm kind but it's like a mother you know like come here at work you know it's a professional I work at a bank but I'm still like the mom (laughs) Um, so anyway, we believed for 10 years, and um, out of nowhere, in March of 2019, Papa Jimmy got the call, there's a baby, um, and we want someone from the North Gate to adopt it, and even at that time, they're like, oh, we think it's your baby, and I'm like, okay, but is it really? Like, is this, is this really Samuel? Is this really our promise? I mean, there, anyone in here would be glad to take a baby. Is it our promise? So even all the way pretty much up until the time we went to the NICU to meet him, I still had that question in my heart. And I remember Mama T was like, that's your baby. <laughs> She's like, that is your son. I'm like, I love it. Um, but we talk a lot about the beginning of our promises. We talk a lot about when we, when we get the word, when we get the dream, when we hear something from the Lord. We talk a lot about that. It's exciting. Oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is a business, you know, whatever it may be. We talk a lot about the other end of the spectrum when the promises are fulfilled. We celebrate. We share the testimony. It's exciting. But I feel like we don't talk enough about or don't give enough attention to in between the journey, the waiting, the wondering. Some may even say, like, the wilderness in between. What's the process in between? Because that's, I mean, that's the hardest part. (laughs) The beginning and the end is the easy part. That's the hardest part. So the question is, when do you begin to actually taste your promise? When you cross over and experience the fullness of it? Or is it possible that you start to taste your promise when you first receive the word? Or do you get to experience tastes of your promise throughout the entire process? So there's a story in Exodus we've all been very familiar with. The Israelites going um, out of Egypt. So let's read that real quick. <coughs> Sorry, I'm getting over like a sinus thing, so pardon the coughing. Exodus 3, <coughs> 7 and 8. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
which we know is called their promised land. So their promise was directly described to be a land flowing with milk and honey, right? You would agree with that. I mean, it's, Mike's like, you should see how many times it's referenced. So I think <laughs> it's referenced like 20 times in the Old Testament where God was continuously reminding them of your promise. Like he said repeatedly, we're taking you to the land of milk and honey, flowing with milk and honey, with abundance. <clears throat> so when did the Israelites first get a taste of that promise? Did they get, was it when they crossed over the Jordan River? When they actually settled in the land? Or were they able to get a taste of that promise when they were still in the wilderness? So we are familiar with the story. Most of us are probably familiar with the story. The Israelites are in the desert. They're hungry. They're complaining. They're like, Moses, did you bring us out here to die, to starve? What's going on? We're ready to give up and go back to Egypt. At least we were slaves in Egypt, but at least we could eat there. At least we had food. So they're ready to give back, go back. And instead, the Lord says, I'm going to send you bread from heaven. He's going to send it to them. It's going to be known as manna. They would go out each morning. It would be on the ground. They would pick it up. They would eat it. They would gather it each morning. <clears throat> so what is manna? Was it just bread? Or what I would like to believe is that was a foretaste of their promise. <clears throat> so let's read Exodus 16.31. <clears throat> the people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. It was white and tasted like honey. So we have a land flowing with milk and honey, and we have manna that is white like milk and tasted like honey. Does that sound a lot like their promise? Man, I'm like, that is amazing. So let me ask you again, when did they actually start tasting their promise? Was it when they crossed into the land, or was it every morning when they woke up and the dew had turned to manna, and they got to literally pick it up and hold their promise, taste it in their hand every single morning that the Lord provided for them. But they still lost sight of their promise, yet a foretaste of it was literally right in their hands every single day, and they didn't even realize it. So I ask you, look at your hands. What is in your hands right now that's a foretaste of your promise? And, and the north gate, I mean, we have a promise, right, to, to own this plaza. What, what are we tasting of that promise right now? Every time we come into this building in this plaza is a foretaste of that promise that we're already tasting. Man, family, our promises are literally at hand. They are within reach. They are right here. When the process seems long, it seems like we'll never see our promise, what are and this is what I want to talk about, what are some things that we can do that, so that we don't lose sight of that promise, so that we can keep it in the forefront of our minds? I have three quick things. See, I'm already halfway down page two. <laughs> um, one, we can ponder them in our heart. How do we do that? We write them down, we read them, we talk about them, like Mary, after hearing that Jesus was the Messiah, in Luke 2.19, Mary treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. She kept them in her heart. When we keep the word of the Lord in the front, forefront of our minds, this is the part of our brain that makes decisions. So just to get a little bit nerdy, <laughs> so your limbic system is where your emotions come from. 
So a lot of times, I know we talk like you can't, you shouldn't live from your emotions because your emotions, what, they're going to lie to you. They're going to go with the wind, whatever you feel in the moment. Your frontal lobe is where your decision making is made. So if you ponder the word of the Lord, your promise, your dreams, you keep it in the forefront of your mind, that's where you're making your decisions. Eventually, if you continuously do that, then your emotions, the emotional part of your brain is going to line up and you're going to subconsciously make decisions based on what you know in the forefront of your brain instead of in your emotions. Eventually, your, your limbic system, your emotions are going to be like, oh, okay, we're believing the promise. That's what we're doing. So it's not a chore anymore to be like, it's been 10 years and we don't have a baby. What's the deal? It's not a chore anymore. It's like, okay, my emotions say I'm, not, I'm never going to be a mom, but my decision part of my brain is saying, I know the word of the Lord, and it's saying, yes, I'm going to have that promise. I'm going to be a mom. <clears throat> Number two, we can pray and prophesy, prophesy over our promises until we see its full manifestation. So like Zechariah over John the Baptist when he was first born. So let's read this real quick. Um, Luke 1, 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And then this whole chapter is Zechariah prophesying over John the Baptist, but I'll spare you like 80 verses, and we'll skip down to 76. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the, chi and the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So Zechariah prophesied all this over John the Baptist when he was just an infant, when he was just first born. And it didn't come to pass until, I don't know, how old he was, 20, 30, 30, 30 years later when he was publicly presented to the nation that he was going to announce the Messiah to. And lastly, number three, surround yourself with others who will speak into your promise and who will help you see the fulfillment. Like Elizabeth to Mary in Luke 1. Let's read that too. I really like this. <clears throat> At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. So already the baby in her womb was recognizing the agreement that she was coming into. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are, the women, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And another example, like Ruth, who followed, who left her hometown and followed Naomi back to Naomi's hometown. And what came of that? She met Boaz. She was married. She became in the lineage of, of King David and Jesus himself. And then even, even us personally with Samuel, he was fulfilled through being connected with pastors. Because they are the ones that receive the call. Hey, we have a baby. We have a baby for, for someone. 
So how many times how many times has has pastor have pastors reminded you of your promises? That's like a little taste of manna along the way, a little taste of your promise along the way. Many times, um, like I mentioned, as we were going through the process and I was questioning, Mama T and, and Papa Jimmy were there to say, this is your baby, Jen. Quit freaking out. <laughs> and it was still a process, though. He did, even though he came quickly, it was still two and a half years until the adoption was finalized. So even in that time, there was still like, well, could they, could they take him back? I mean, is this really? So we have to have people surrounding us that are going to speak into our promise and remind us and give us those tastes of milk and honey that remind us of what that promised land is going to be like. So we, this is it, this is the end. We are already tasting our promises. Let us be thankful and full of hope that we will see the fullness, the manifestation of our dreams and our promises and the things that we're believing for before we even know it, like, like tonight even. Like all of you, Chris, and are you Carter? Okay, I'm like, you're so much bigger. I don't even know which one you are. <laughs> no, you're not your sister, at least. <laughs> so even, even you guys just being here tonight is just another taste of the promises that we're believing for our families to come into the fullness. So tonight, tomorrow, as we go into Thanksgiving, just be thankful and remind yourself that even if, even if promises, your dreams see far off, seem far off, there's still these tastes along the way. There's still these tastes. What time are we at? <laughs> I thought that would take way longer. I just want to emphasize some of those things in detail because y'all know Sam. But we had our first word in 2009. And then after after years, you just you just say, you know, we had the word, but now is it ever going to, you know what I mean? Like you said. And every time we would get to the place where we would start to doubt, someone from this family begin to speak life. How many cards we have of Mama sneak just sneak a little card in the, in the purse before church or do something, and all those underlined words and prophesying into our boy. I remember her and I sitting in our kitchen, we're in a car from Mama and be like. I don't even know if I believe she has more faith than we do for our promise. This is incredible. And I actually looked at Jen and said, we got to up our faith to, to match mamas for our own son. The process. The apostolic government. Everything that the outsiders hate. Everything the outsiders hate. When, when birth mom appeared to be trying to take the kid back, and when we don't talk about that publicly because we don't want to put anything on her. You know what I mean? I couldn't imagine the process she went through to give up her, her son. But we are sitting there like, is this, is this coming to an end? And then Apostle Damon texts them and said, I'm praying for Mike and Jen's baby. There's going to be a breakthrough. And then they, they, they sent us a text or let us know. Do you know that afternoon, literally, we are on the phone with her probation officer? And everything that was come got exposed. In one moment. I would have I would have never met Apostle D if it wasn't for them. We owe everything to them in this process. And people could love that or hate that. The financial support of this house, many of you prayed in your Passover seats. 
this is just one of our stories. But we always talk about the word in the beginning and we all see Sam now. But the, the process in between, though, from Apostle D to each and every one of you, you guys spoke in there. And that's what people on the outside of this struggle with because they don't really understand. It's because they don't have the history with each other like we do. You can't take that away from us. There's people that aren't here tonight that haven't been here in a couple of years. But you know what? Us four were in the hospital room when their baby girl was born. And we looked at each other like, you can't take this, this part of family, what happened to us here tonight in the hospital, Rainbow Children's Hospital. You can't take that away. You might not be close to us now, but I know that was such a special moment. You're, you're going to come back in the mix. I could feel it. We have a foretaste with a daughter that pops in that can't say no. We have a foretaste. We have manna that's coming in to remind us that you can take as long as detours you need to, but you're still faithful. I know your promise is going to get fulfilled. You want to know why? Look to the person to your left and right. These people pray for you. They sow seeds at Passover and all these different things we do on your behalf. They cover you. They believe in you. Come on, that's why we're going to see you pregnant. How many, of you, how many of you prayed for a clendenin baby? Raise your hand. Look around the room. Aaron, look around the room. That's why we're going to see it happen. People on the outside may not understand, but we know how much this family means. We've cried together. We've prayed together. We've been there for each other so many times. It doesn't mean we don't hurt each other's feelings once in a while. We're perfect. But I just stand before you tonight as a witness. And there's no place I'd rather be. And because of this family, we're walking a greater dimension. And don't you question the words over this house ever again. Don't question them. This entire plaza is ours. The city is going to come to us and ask to partner on projects. They're going to ask for permission for things. How do we know? Because we're in the building right now. We haven't seen the fullness of it, but we're in the building right now. Every word over your family, Mary Ellen. Every word over your family, Malia. The property, every single thing. It's coming. Why? Why? Because he said it is. And you have a praying family coming into agreement. You can't, we, I don't think, you know how it says with Jesus in the book of John? John says you can't even write Everything that Jesus did. I suppose it wrapped around the world. You wouldn't even have enough space to write it. That's how I feel about testimonies in this family. How many more people have to get homes that shouldn't have got homes? How many more people have to get free homes? How many people have kids that shouldn't have had kids? How many times have we come off drugs and we shouldn't have come off drugs? How many of us, like you said earlier tonight, I'm one. You know how many guns I had pulled on me in the flats back in the day? I should have been dead 20 years ago. And I'm standing here before you tonight. And we're not the only ones with this testimony. Jail time, come on. Northgate, I'm challenging you to believe again tonight. Sarah, your sisters that we prayed for. I'm telling you, Brandon is in Alabama right now with his sister. And many of you don't know because there's only like 10 of us here. We were in a room back here 
back in earlier this year when we were praying at the same time youth group, and we began to pray and prophesy to Brandon's sister. We're seeing that promise fulfilled. He hasn't seen her, what, in a decade? 12 years, he hasn't seen his sister. He's spending Thanksgiving with this family. He hasn't seen in over 12 years. That started back there. And actually, it started back there. That's just when we heard to pray it in. So BB's going to be in Alabama, and we all know, like, man, the family. I told him before you left the other day, I'm like, do you remember? He's like, oh, I remember. That's why I know your promise is going to come to pass. If he did it for us, he did it for them, he did it for Brandon, why won't he do it for you? Why won't he do it for you? I don't know if you got anything, Pastor. So everything that Jen read tonight was about promises of children. A promise of a child can't come without two people loving each other in a moment. So in that, we understand that all of our children are promises. They're gifts from God. But there was one thing that she started off with. It wasn't the promise of a child. It was a promise to a people who had found themselves in slavery. They identified as slaves. See, many of us in this room have been slaves to addiction. We've been slaves to unforgiveness toward ourselves, toward somebody else. We've been caught in slavery to a false identification. And we let a Pharaoh rule over our lives. And when you read the story of the children of Israel, they dreamed. What did they dream about? That they wouldn't have to be a slave to something telling them what to do. So in that, we understand a love for someone else will produce a promise in a child. But what happens when a love for someone else produces a promise in your life that you dream about? Every one of us in the room, when we're alone, when we look in a mirror, we look at ourselves and we think we can't obtain something. But God keeps putting it in your heart. God keeps putting something in your heart that I, I'm better than this. There's a, I don't care if it's a small seed. There's a seed in you that you look at yourself and say, there has to be more to life and there has to be more to me than what I see in a mirror every day. That's your promise. And that unlocking comes from somebody that loves you for you. And God put that person in your life. And there may be times where it's a struggle, but it always comes back around. I love you. I'm with you. I love you. I'm with you. I love you. I'm with you. There was two young men named Caleb and Joshua in that story that Jen read that took an entire generation into a land that there was a other generation that didn't believe that they could obtain. I don't have time to run with somebody that doesn't believe that I can obtain some things that I'm believing for. It could be a baby. It could be a business. It could be a home. It could be a car. It could be freedom. Freedom of what? Hatred of self. Freedom of the abuse that somebody else put you through. Slavery is something that manipulates you and controls you to make you believe you're nothing. 
And that is not what Jesus is about. Jesus shed his blood so that you could be free to have faith to dream wild, big dreams for yourself, for your family, for your friends, for others. Your life just can't impact family and friends. Your life can actually impact people that are looking at you every day. And the greatest story that could ever be told is somebody who knew you 20 years ago, knew you two, 10 years ago, knew you five years ago, knew you a year ago, saw you five months ago, and I even love it like this. They can see you in a week. Say, what happened to you? Something different about you. You're not the same. And you get to look at them with a smile on your face. And you say, I encountered God. And whether they believe that moment or not, you know when you meet God and you meet love that's unconditional, something just starts to unlock in you. And you start believing for the impossible. And I love what Jen said. There's moments where you believe, man, anything's possible. And there's moments where that gets shut up. Then God comes knocking again. Hey, you can't give up on you. You can't give up on you. I made you. I created you. You can't give up on you. That's why when Adam sinned in the beginning of the Bible, I hate that religion says God doesn't look upon sin. Adam screwed up the one commandment. Don't touch the tree. And he touched the tree. And all of a sudden, few verses later after he screws up you hear God yelling through the garden I believe he was not whispering he was yelling Adam where are you Adam we still have a promise Adam we still have a garden Adam we still have a dream Adam you still have breath I won't give up on you Adam so there's some Adams in the room there's some Eves in the room that God is yelling where are you it's time to dream you have a city. You have a family. You have children. You have, you have breath in your lungs. I'm not done with you. You still have a purpose. So this is where grace comes in. God doesn't deal with your past. He washes it away. That's why you can't live with regret. You can't live with fear. You can't live with doubt. Because the Bible says that God, today, today, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that the love of God can turn your mind around, turn your family around, turn everything around. And this is what I love. What do I got to do? Just start believing. Start believing in love. I know that you were burned. I know that you were burned. But this is what makes forgiveness so amazing. Forgiveness is a huge key that unlocks your future. Who's ready to unlock their future today? who's ready to start believing in some dreams. Then let's just stand to our feet.
Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.